Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 158, and we are recording on July 21st. I'm Sharifa Williams here with Jen Northington, and today it is that time where we talk about our most anticipated books for the rest of the year. We are already halfway through <laughs> this year. <laughs> July was like five minutes long. What happened to July? I agree. I absolutely agree. And I don't know why I always, usually I feel like July because I know like, oh, we're at the midway point. I feel like it goes a little slower for me. Mm -hmm. But this year, I don't know if it's like getting older and time just flies (laughs) by a lot faster. But I'm like, how? How Yeah, how? I don't know. I don't know. And there are so many great books to talk about as well, (laughs) so we won't have much time considering how it flies to read them all, but we want to talk about so many of them here and put them on your radar. Mm -hmm. Well, before we start talking about news and then our picks for most anticipated, I wanted to tell you about First Edition, which is an exciting new podcast from us. And the show invites so many really interesting guests and has so many interesting topics to explore. It's, of course, a bookish podcast, as you might expect from us. Um, It's hosted by Jeff O'Neill, who's our CEO here. And it includes guests like S.A. Cosby, Khaled Hosseini, Sarah Bakewell, Yadon Israel, And there have been, of course, guests from our own staff on the podcast with Jeff O'Neill. And actually, Jen and I are going to be on an upcoming episode we haven't recorded yet, but we're going to be talking about the making of an anthology with our own anthology coming out, Fit for the Gods. So if you want to hear us talk about what making an anthology looks like hopefully we won't take three hours talking about it because there's so much to talk about truly truly you can find us and find first edition and all the episodes that are out at um bookriot.com or actually you can find it in your podcast player of choice it's everywhere so you can subscribe search first edition in whatever podcast player you use and yeah Stay to hear Book Riot's editors pick the It Book of the Month and all the great guests that are on the show um, and enjoy. Okay, we're going to hear from a sponsor and then we're going to talk about some news. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is a perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? 
Pick Up the Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid-back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be, right? Right, girl, like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series. Miss Wong, gotta go on on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. All right, Jen, why don't you kick us off with some news? Indeed. Let's talk about the Ursula K. Le Guin prize shortlist first, because I am excited about that one. So we mentioned it before. The Le Guin Prize for Fiction is $25,000 prize, and it's annual. It started last year, and anybody could nominate, which I think is super cool. Um, And they've announced the shortlist. This is via tour.com, covered by Vanessa Armstrong. Um, And there are nine nominees. I knew actually only like a handful of these titles. Um, So I'm really excited because if people think that these authors are writing in the tradition of Le Guin, who is one of my all-time favorite authors, like I want to read them. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, you can see the full shortlist over on tour. Um, Spear by Nicola Griffith is in there, which I was super jazzed to see. Also, The Spear Cuts Through Water by Simon Jimenez. Love, love, love that book. Uh, that book does need to win awards. So I was super excited <laughs> to see that on there. And then there's a bunch of others, some of which I have heard of some, but not read some of which I have never heard of. So I'm really excited uh, to dive into this list more. Yeah, I am on the same. I am on the same page as you. I don't know as many of these authors as I thought I would when I clicked mm-hmm. over yeah. <laughs> to this story. And Um, I'm really interested. I have a feeling like to make it on this list, I expect that the books offer something really unique um, Mm -hmm. just because of Le Guin and her legacy. And I am also a huge fan. I have not read as many of her books as you have. I am 100% (laughs) sure. But yeah, the judges who will be selecting the winner are also, we've talked about them before when Uh, We discussed this prize earlier, but a lot of really great authors Mm -hmm. we all recognize are on this list. Alexander Chi, Karen Joy Fowler, Toshi Onyabuchi, so many people, um, great authors are going to be selecting the winner. So I fully entrust them to choose uh, a really great book, but I'm so curious about these authors and we'll look them up after the show. Yeah, for sure. So the winner is going to be announced on October 25th. So we'll be here to talk about that when that happens. Yes. 
Well, for my story, um, if doom scrolling and the doomiest of doomsday science fiction isn't enough for you, <laughs> this morning, actually, I saw this in as a link in one of my um, morning newsletters, and it's a timeline of the far future. It's on Wikipedia. And I had to see because I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, how are they predicting what the far future is going to look like? What does it look like? And I'm, mm. am I going to be horrified by what <laughs> I find there? So this is um, this is far future as postulated by science is what it says at the top of this article. And there's one section that's about the far future of Earth, the solar system, and the universe and there is also a section about what happens to humanity millions and billions of years into the future, humanity and human constructs to be specific. And it is like, it goes way, way far into the future. And there's some stuff, of course, that's very predictable because we all understand what's happening with climate change and global warming. And we know that there are some inevitabilities that are going to happen um, if you read the headlines and are made miserable by them. Um, <laughs> this is not going to make you feel super hopeful, I have to say. Uh, but it's really fascinating because, you know, we read science fiction and other speculative fiction sometimes as a way to process and explore what may come. And obviously, we find those stories and those predictions compelling. And sometimes, you know, they come true in different forms. And sometimes they don't. But it's I, I don't think I have come across so many things that are like, you know, based in science and very specific and talking about like a specific timeline and what happens at certain junctures in our predicted future. So I thought that this would be really fascinating for our listeners, especially who might be thinking a lot about what the future might look like for us. There are like icons in different categories about, um, the types of predictions that are being made here. And there are predictions made about, you know, spacecraft made by human encountering planets and certain things and their trajectory. And of course, the tragedy that is inevitable <laughs> for humanity. So I don't know, there's so much to read here. And I did not get through it all by any means. But if you're curious, you can check it out. <laughs> yeah, this is wild. I was like, what so... am I looking at? Sharifa, what did you drop into my brain? I'm sorry. It's... <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting, especially as I'm on a little bit of a space opera backlist kick right now. So oh. I'm reading a lot of books about like, you know, humanity in the far future. So I'm just like, oh, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is it's exactly the sound my brain made. <laughs> it's a lot. But it is really cool and interesting. I had no idea. I mean, of course, science has like predicted specific things. I had no, I, but I hadn't thought about it. So this is, this is kind of fascinating to see it all in one place. And if you are like an author, there's probably some oh, really yeah. good fodder for creativity in here. I'm just saying. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So that's a that's a fun slash terrifying one. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> uh, okay. Right. So this is sort of general and specific to the show. Um, we wanted to take a moment to address the uh, SAG-AFTRA strike, um, which has joined the Writers Guild uh, strike. Um, and is like, you know, kind of, it's been 63 years since, you know, both of these organizations were on strike at the same time. It's been in the news a lot. Um, there's a lot of TV that's, you know, going on hiatus movies that are paused in production while this is happening. Um, we absolutely support the strikers. We hope that they get what they're asking for. This is personal for me. My partner is in SAG-AFTRA. Um, I have seen firsthand what some of those royalty checks look like. It is not very much <laughs> when when especially when you consider what uh some of those execs are taking home so i really hope that um yeah everybody can figure out a new way forward um and so in terms of how this uh impacts coverage they're not asking for a boycott of coverage per se it's a, it kind of there's we're linking to a piece on variety um reported on by gene madhouse that details you know exactly what they're hoping to accomplish and what they're asking for from other folks um so we will still be talking about entertainment news but we will be putting it in the context of the strike so I think that's is that did I cover everything, Sharifa? Yeah, I think that's great. I I really hope that this comes to a happy conclusion as well for the people on strike, and it's heartening to see the unions going to work on behalf yeah. of like that's the job of a union to that's advocate right. for its people, and so. It's wild that things have not changed considering how much entertainment has changed with streaming and the way the writers' rooms are set up. Like, I only realized how it was working and how they were kind of making it harder for people to actually grow and learn in writers' Mm -hmm. rooms and things like that by through this strike and news about it. So it's been really interesting and also disappointing to read about what's going on and I I super wish them the best but but yes you covered everything absolutely about how we're going to you know deal with entertainment news and everything so indeed and speaking of (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) there it is I could not omit this very exciting and very um what's the word uncertain announcement I suppose (laughs) so Victor Lavelle tweeted about an adaptation of the changeling coming to Apple TV plus and I also I took a look of course there was like the the tweet from Apple TV plus there's also an article from deadline reported on by Rosie Cordero 
about um, the premiere date. And also it includes some first look images for the show. And this is one where it actually does have a premiere date. So September 8th is when it comes out. We are not going to have to wait a million years for this. I hope that everything is settled um, in a good way with the strike by this time so that the actors can celebrate mm-hmm. and everybody involved in making this can celebrate what they accomplished um, when it premieres. But it's starring and executive produced by Lakeith Stanfield and Victor Lavelle is also involved as an executive producer, which always gives me um it makes me feel encouraged. He also sounds very excited about it and is very, you know, sounds very confident about how we will receive it as readers and fans. So that makes me really, really excited for what's to come. Also, of course, when <laughs> we were talking about this initially, we were like, oh my goodness, how are they going to depict some of these scenes? Yeah really brutal stuff like it's such a good book and I really am excited for this to be like getting recognition and adaptations because I mean Lavelle obviously we talk about Lavelle all the time like an amazing writer there's no secrets here that we love Victor Lavelle's work but like this book is rough y'all like it is really hard it was hard to read I genuinely am not sure if I'm going to be able to watch it like it's one thing to like read it and imagine it it's another thing to see it depicted on screen and I just really wonder I I mean I am sure that they made the best choices that they thought they could given you know the material but like whether or not I will be able to watch those choices is my question (laughs) I I have to watch it but I am also like it does not take any time for the book to get to some no truly dark and explicitly horrifying places and so I don't expect this um series to take very long to i couldn't see for sure i didn't get the like specific language i imagine that this is a limited series i know there are eight episodes coming out but i don't know if like the finale means the series finale or the season finale that's not clear to me yet but Mm. if it is an eight series thing like you know, we're going to see some terrifying things right off the bat. There's like one of the first look images is of um, the two main characters, uh, Apollo and Emmy. Am I, I can't remember if I'm getting the names right. It's been a long time <laughs> since I read yeah. this book. But the two main characters in a, a subway car and mm-hmm. that one scene particularly as well is like rough. So. I'm so curious. I might have like one eye covered while I watch yes. it, but I, have to, I just have to watch this and see how they actually depict this. If they soften it up any or right. if they just go all in, but it like from the first look images, it looks really well shot and 
I'm very excited and also side eyeing some descriptions <laughs> that are like fair. This is a fairy tale romance I know. story. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know what you mean, but like other people are not gonna know, and no. they're gonna think like, oh, their love is the stuff of fairy tales. Like that sounds lovely, and you're like, no, 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 not those kind of fairy tales. The other <laughs> fairy tale, the grim, like horrible, dark fairy tales, like. Oof. Oof. What a surprise if they go into it with oh that mentality. Gosh, I just feel bad for people if they go in expecting like a happy love story. Yeah, me too. Oof. Well, yes. So this is coming out September 8th. And then it's going to be, there's going to be, of course, the usual now, the three episode premiere drop. And mm-hmm. then new episodes released weekly through October 13th, just ahead of Halloween. Perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our news. We're going to hear from another sponsor and then we're jumping right into our most anticipated. Okay, we're back and I'm going to go ahead and kick us off with the book that is next up on my reading list actually. I just got a copy of The Deep Sky by Yume Katasi. And this is out already. It came out July 18th, so the week we are recording. It's out from Flatiron. And I remember, so I put my list of most anticipated together like a few months ago. (laughs) So I just realized that a lot of my titles are heavily leaning toward like the early part of this half of the year. So please pardon me for that. But there are so many great books that Jen also has that I will not be covering that come later. But this one in particular, I, I, I'm i unfamiliar with the author. I think this is a debut novel. I could be mm-hmm. wrong, wrong about that. But I'm not familiar with the author. But the thing that really captured my interest was that this is a sci-fi mystery. And it's been a minute since I read a sci-fi mystery, especially a murder mystery in space. Um, And I was really in the mood for one. I discovered when I came across the description because I was like, oh yeah, I have to absolutely read this. And also the cover was amazing. So I'm a sucker for covers. But this is a sci-fi thriller. It's about a mission into deep space and it's featuring like a a cast of characters that were part of their graduates of this competitive program. They are being sent into space. Earth is in danger. Um, Going back to that timeline of the far future, we are looking at Earth's collapse and 80 of these graduates have been chosen to produce the next generation of children and they have to do this in deep space. I always find it unsettling when there's like this obligation to give birth as part Mm -hmm. of a story, even for the survival of humanity. (laughs) I admittedly do not know the mechanism to make that happen in this story, but I'm always (laughs) like, Ooh, I'm already unsettled because that sounds horrifying (laughs) and horrible. But apparently, you know, these people have decided that it's a worthwhile endeavor and they are going to go into deep space to make it happen. So then as they're traveling, there's a bomb that goes off. It kills 
uh, a few of the crew members and the spaceship is knocked off course. So, so much alarm, so much danger. It is never a good thing when your spaceship is knocked off course. And there's one character who's dealing with some imposter syndrome on all sorts of levels, Asuka, who is the only surviving witness and also, of course, because of those circumstances, a suspect in this bombing. So, of course, there's a a lot for Asuka to be worried about. She is dealing with a lot of emotion. She's been chosen to represent Japan. She is a biracial person, half Japanese. So that is part of that imposter syndrome. And I'm part, I'm in, like, I'm of course partial to stories that explore biracial identity as mm-hmm. a biracial person who understands what imposter syndrome can feel like especially in the context of race. And so I'm really curious about how that's explored in this book. I know Yumi uh, Katasi is also biracial, half Japanese. So I am super curious about that. And Asuka is all by herself and dealing with this um, situation, being a suspect. And what I'm hoping for with this book is that this is a mystery we have to try to solve as the story progresses, like in the true style of the murder mystery. I am terrible at guessing who done it. <laughs> I am no Columbo, but I do enjoy the exercise and really love it when the reveal surprises me. So I hope to get that from this. And yeah, I just think there's an extra layer of terror and urgency when you put a murder mystery in space. So to me, it's a genre mashup made in heaven. So again, that's The Deep Sky by Yume Kitasi, and that's out already. You are going to love it. That was one of the books I read on vacation, <gasps> and I think it's going to give you exactly what you're looking for. The other oh thing I just want to note is that like, this book does what I've just been waiting for people to do, which is acknowledge that like gender is not a binary and mm. that people who are not women can give birth. And it's just like very matter of factly part of the plot line that, you know, there are different genders on this ship that is also, you know, staffed entirely by people who can give birth. So I like I just am so it's so such a relief and so refreshing to see somebody finally do it because I just get so frustrated every time. It's like all of the women this. I'm like, well, yes, no, that's not how it works. Um, So anyway, I just yeah, I can't wait for you to read it so we can talk about it. It's so good. Yes, that's an extra plus plus bonus. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, my first pick is a sequel. Don't hate me. <laughs> he Who Drowned the World by Shelley Parker Chan. This is the second in the Radiant Emperor duology. The first was She Who Burned the World, if I'm remembering correctly. I should get that right. She Who, she who Became the Sun. She Who Became ah, the yes. Sun. Sorry. Sorry. I had my tabs mixed up. Um, and I am so excited about this book because the first one was just like a mind-blowing historical speculative triumph. Um, it won, you know, it was just everywhere for a little while. And I don't remember if it actually won awards, but I know it was on awards list and fully deserved. Um, 
and I'm just obsessed with it. It takes place, um, it's based on uh, historical China um, during the period when uh, the Genghis Khan was like in control of a large chunk of it. And in the first book, we meet Zhu, who has a complicated relationship with gender um, and is determined to survive at all costs and ends up becoming the emperor by the end of spoilers mm-hmm. <laughs> the emperor by the end i mean <laughs> yeah it's kind of you you know it's going to happen it's it's not a huge spoiler it's how she gets there that's the important part um but yeah and it's full of like that you know if you're like a fan of broken earth or game of thrones like the politics and the betrayal and the complicated situations and the very gray morality like it's got all of that um, plus this historical basis. And it is dark and difficult. I'm not going to lie. This is also very much for people who have read um, the Poppy War series by R.F. Kuang. Like it's all of those, you know, vibes are here. But Chan, Parker Chan just handles them so beautifully. I'm obsessed with these characters. I'm like terrified of what they're going to do next, but I have to come <laughs> along for the ride. I'm so stressed out about it, but I'm excited to be stressed out about it. It's so good. It's so well done. So I'm really excited. And this is, it's a duology. So this is it. Like these two books are it. Um, So yes, very excited for this to be like in my hands and in my brain. Uh, It comes out on August 22nd. It is from Tor Books. And I too, Sharifa, picked a lot of very early in the second half of the year books for the my main three but then I'm gonna cheat a bunch so don't worry y'all we'll cover Good. some stuff we'll we'll <laughs> shout out some stuff that's coming out later in the year but yes so that's he who drowned the world by Shelley Parker Chan I love a duology it's just right? the right amount of series yeah it's good in my mind well, my next pick is kind of predictable. It's Silver Nitrate by Silvia Moreno Garcia. And of course, I have to read anything Moreno Garcia puts out there. And this one is like right up my alley. First of all, as a child of the 90s, I love a book set in the 90s. This one is. And I've got to indulge my nostalgia. I'm also <laughs> a big horror movie fan. And this is very much in the world, set in the world of horror movies and particularly cult horror movies, which is a thing I personally love. So it's about this uh, sound editor, which is like, when's the last time you read a novel about a sound editor? Truly. (laughs) Very um, underused as far as characters go. So really excited about that. So Montserrat is the sound editor in question and she's running up against you know this sort of boys club in the film industries this is set in mexico city so uh moreno garcia sets a few of her books in mexico city and it really makes me want to go visit i have Mm. never had the privilege but i was really excited to see that again because she does such a great job of describing the place and making me want to go, even though terrible things usually happen in these stories. But um, so Montserrat has a secret crush on this uh, soap opera star who's, you know, not as famous anymore, not doing as well, Tristan. And then together they run into Tristan's new neighbor who happens to be a cult horror director 
And this director has a proposition for them that will supposedly change their lives. And it has to do with Nazi occultists, a Nazi occultist, which is like, this feels very ripped from 90s movies Mm -hmm. when, you know, when you need a villain, you can't go wrong with the Nazis. (laughs) And also it's very contemporary because, you know, fascism is a thing that's brewing its ugly head in our present day. So you know that Silvio Moreno Garcia is going to have more to say in this book than just about cult horror. And I fully expect that here. Um, But the magic of this story is all in the film industry, in the film itself. And there are all sorts of things Montserrat and Tristan discover through this director and this weird story he has and this proposition to finish a film that will supposedly open up a whole new world for them. And I cannot wait for all the suspense and the creepiness that will surely come out of this book. <laughs> um, I've, I'm still on the horror train this year. Like, I still can't get enough of it. And this very much gives me Dario Argento vibes. That was the director of Suspiria and Creepers mm. and other cult classic horror suspense films. Um, and... Those movies like weird me out and are unsettling in a strange way. And that's why I think of that director when I read the synopsis for this. So I'm really excited about this one. I have the arc and I am going to wait until I have a really rainy day, perhaps because summer here is rainy, um, Mm. to read this one. So again, that was Silver Nitrate by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. It's out already, and it's coming from Del Rey. I am going to need you to screen that one for me. (laughs) Yes, I will do that. (laughs) Great. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So my sci-fi pick is Splinter in the Sky by Kemi Ashingiwa. This is out. It came out on July 11th from Gallery at Saga Press. And this is a debut space opera, which like, hello, already in my wheelhouse. And then we find out that the main character is a young tea expert. Like, what? (gasps) Yes. Okay. Any, like, give me all of the books that feature people and tea. Like, this is all I want right now (laughs) is sci-fi and fantasy about tea Um, or coffee, but mostly tea, right? Like, this is what I want. Um, And so this takes place in a, like, you know, a space future where there is a giant empire, there's a giant republic, um, there's just been a whole war. And Enetan is our main character. She is a scribe, and all she wants to do is quit her day job and expand her fledgling tea business. Like, stop. This is so good. Um, But then, you know, the politics come for her. Her lover is assassinated. Her sibling is abducted. um, And she is uh, taken political prisoner and has to spy on government officials. Um, So it is a whole whole situation. I'm getting um, Arkady Martin vibes from Mm. this, which, you know, I would love if I were right. Um, And uh, I'm excited to meet a new author who's writing in the space opera sphere. I just, you know, like I was saying, I've been on a backlist space opera kick 
this summer. So a new author is a gift to me. Um, so thanks, universe. <laughs> thanks so much. Um, and the publisher is comping it to, you know, N.K. Jemison and Nettie Okorafor. So like enough said, like okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. Bring, put it in my eyeballs. So uh, yeah, I've, if you too are excited about space opera, political intrigue, and tea, you are going to want to pick this one up as well. It's The Splinter in the Sky by Kemi Ashing-Giwa. Who isn't interested in those things? Right? Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, my next pick is some, I truly don't know what to expect from this book. It's a new to me author and it's not the usual type of book I read, I think. It's The Saint of Bright Doors by Vajra Chandrasekhar, And I feel like cults are trending mm. in speculative fiction this year. Mm. Uh, maybe that's just me coming off of reading Our Share of Night by Mariana Enriquez. <laughs> but this is another culty speculative fiction. It's a fantasy read. Um, and it's about this person fetter who is you know who is raised to kill and his father is sainted and there's a lot in this book about gods and saints and devils and strange invisible powers the thing that really compelled me about this story is that i do love portal stories and mm. i have not read one in a long time I think, I don't know, I feel like maybe did they fall out of fashion? I don't know, but I haven't encountered one in a while. So I was really curious about this story. And I should have guessed from the name of it, The Saint of Bright Doors, that there would be some portal action happening here. And there is. So it seems like he lives in this kind of murderous world of sainthood and demons and secrecy and cults. And he had a terrible childhood and left a rural hometown for the big city. And he lives in this place. Story is set in a place called Luriat. And I was like, when I read the, the description, I was like, oh, yay, a character who goes to therapy because that's explicitly talked about <laughs> in the story. Awesome. And then later on, you're like, oh, wait, group therapy is something completely different in this story. There is some like recruitment that happens here. I don't know if it's good or bad. Oh, no. But it sounds like just a really interesting, unique world. So I expect a lot of fantastical, interesting world building here. And I'm curious, of course, about what waits in these portals as uh, as you might be with a story like this. But I'm I'm really excited to get to know a new author and to read another portal story. So again, that was The Saint of Bright Doors by Vajra Chandrasekhar. And that is already out came out July 11th as well from tour.com. I had my eye on that one too. So I was glad you picked it so that I could oh, pick good. something else. So, I yeah. feel like but it was that, everywhere for a it, minute. It was. And the cover's real good. Like yeah. I definitely, the cover is very like bright and eye-catching. I'm very interested in that one too. Um, and I do love a portal story. So yeah. that's always nice. 
Uh, all right, my third official pick is horror for once. I know it doesn't happen that often for me, but I vampires are a thing that I can read. Like pretty much whatever is coming with vampires, like I got it. Uh, and I was excited to see Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas, um, who made a big splash as the author of the Hacienda. That book was everywhere. Everybody I knew yes. was reading it. Um, I did not read it because I wasn't. Again, I was like, can I read it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> haunted haunted houses are not a thing that I have an easy time with. So especially now that I own an old house, I'm like, mm, let's oh, not yeah. go there. <laughs> let's not go there. But again, vampires I can do, and I love a, a like a a speculative western also. And you know we've been. We've talked about this before. I mean, this came up when we did Book Club for Lone Women uh, by Victor Lavelle. It's really exciting to see more inclusive weird westerns mm -hmm. coming out because so often they are very whitewashed, very based on the settler narrative. Um, and we know that there are other mm, stories that should be told that have been, you know, wiped away or underrepresented or marginalized by the dominant narrative. So I was really jazzed to see this one. Um, it follows Nena, who is the daughter of a rancher. It's 1840s Mexico. Um, and she, you know, lives close enough to the border that like, you know, the Anglo settlers are, you know, there's pressure and there's violence. So that's like a normal of her life. But there's something even more violent happening. You know, men are getting their blood drained and left for dead. Um, and Nena was attacked by such a thing nine years ago. So, you know, she has personal experience with the monsters. And then I love this twist. There's it's a second chance romance. Her um like her beloved thought during when she was attacked that she was dead and he has been MIA ever since his name is Nestor and he has been working as a vaquero and he like has been you know dreaming about his childhood sweetheart and what happened to her and like I said believes that she's dead so events you know, conspire to bring these two back together. Nana has become a curandera, a healer, and um, Nestor is now part of a cavalry, and they have to deal with this, you know, monster as well as all of the intense political things that are happening in the 1840s um, when the United States has attacked Mexico. So I just like I love everything about this premise. I'm really excited to read Kanyas. Um, I'm glad that she's written something that I I think I can handle. Uh, and I love a new vampire story. So yeah, it's hitting like several um, marks for me. So again, that's Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Kanyas. That sounds so good. Right? I have to read that too. Yeah. Oh, and that's that's coming out August 15th uh, from Berkeley. Well, my next pick is also an August release. So I'm finally talking about something <laughs> slightly later. <laughs> and it's I Feed Her to the Beast and the Beast is Me by Jameson Shea. And first of all, that title. Yeah. Can we take so a moment good. for yeah. that title? Like, come through title. What? That's really good. That is so good. Of course, I had to. I haven't been reading a lot of YA lately. Mm. I, I think it's just, you know, sometimes I have ebbs and flows with YA. And I definitely am um, 
in an ebb moment with them. But this one really stuck out to me because there are certain professions that I really romanticize and fantasize about from like childhood on and like being in the restaurant business and being in a professional ballerina are two of them. This is the a ballerina story. And I think that they are, um, it's always kind of confirming to see horrifying stories about <laughs> the life of ballet because I'm like, okay, I'm glad I didn't ever try to pursue that. And this is a horror novel. It's a horror fantasy with a Faustian bargain story to it. And it is about a ballerina, Lore Mesny, who is, you know, trying to come up in the world of ballet. And if you have read anything about ballet and particularly about being a Black person in ballet, it is exceptionally hard. There are horrible ideals about what a ballerina should look like and how their body should look and you know, it is a reality that uh, black ballerinas and ballerinos, is that the, black people in ballet. There you go. Yeah. um, Have been overlooked and have been, you know, outcast. And so this is a story that really takes that on. So Lore feels like and knows that she's being overlooked in the Parisian ballet. And she really wants to prove herself and to show what she can do and get the acknowledgement she deserves. And so in order to do that, she goes to some incredible lengths by going into the catacombs of Paris and striking a devilish deal with a river of blood of all things. Nothing good. <laughs> nothing good can come from a river of blood. Let's just uh, <laughs> let's just say that outright. <laughs> so, as you might imagine, things do not go wonderfully for Lore after making this deal. And It has some strange and monstrous effects on her. So she is dealing with how this bargain is changing her. And also she is becoming a victim to this darkness. And I just, I haven't read a good, juicy, horrifying ballet book in a really long time. And I think the last one I read was a YA novel and I just found it so compelling. And if I could remember the name of it. It's the Nova Ren Sumo one, right? That's the one I'm thinking of that has the ghosts and the ballet. It was it was not a fantasy. It was not oh. sci-fi fantasy. Oh. And I read it so long ago. I will, if That's I remember. Fine. We'll put it, it in the show notes. Yes, yeah. yes, I will. But this one that it involves horror and speculative elements just makes it all the better for me. Um, So I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, And it's from a debut author. I'm always excited about that. There are so many great debut books out there. 
And this is also described as a thriller, which gives me everything I want. And yeah, again, that was I Feed Her to the Beast and The Beast is Me by Jameson Shea. And that is out August 29th from Henry Holt. Added that to my list. Yeah. uh, I also had aspirations of professional dance and I wasn't good enough, but I just never quite left my my uh, head um okay i'm gonna do a real quick rapid fire uh list here they will all be in the show notes not to worry these are all authors who we have talked about many times on the show before so that's how i'm justifying this is that you know you know these names or you should know these names if you've been listening and you can be excited along with me that they all have like this is an incredible year y'all like there's so many people with new books out this year it's really exciting um, so here is the list, which again will be in the show notes. We've got The Blue Beautiful World by Karen Lord, In Charm's Way by Lana Harper, Where Peace is Lost by Valerie Valdez, Mammoth at the Gates by Nivo, The Jinbat of Shantiport by Sumit Basu, and System Collapse by Martha Wells. Like the fact yeah. that, you know, there's new murder bot, there's new fantasy romance, there's new sp- space opera there's new whatever it is that nevo is doing and i just <laughs> love it like i am so excited about all of these books so there will be links in the show notes all the details will be there let us all be excited together what a list right and that's actually i and tananarif do has a new book coming too, the oh reformatory so yes. i will include that one as well Thank you for reminding me because I was really excited when I saw that uh, news. This is a well-deserved extra rapid fire shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So many books to read. So many wonderful things coming out in this half of the year. And that was it for our picks. I'm sure there are a million more great books out there. So I hope somebody finds something for them. And that's it for the show today. SFF Yeah is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode. For more recommendations, you can check out bookriot.com. And you can also find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us ideas for upcoming episodes. You can tell us about your most anticipated books at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And if you have a moment, please review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help people find us. And you can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? Yeah, I am on Tumblr and Blue Sky as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. Or you can find me on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. Fancy Blue Sky people. I'm so fancy. (laughs) Don't worry, I have an invite for you. (laughs) Ah, thank you. You're welcome. Well, for now, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at S Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And we'll talk to y'all next time. (laughs) 